0: What is going on, BBN? Welcome to the Kentucky Connection Podcast, a brand new Kentucky sports podcast where me and my boy Laren will be talking about UK sports, basketball, and football primarily. We'll also have some guests on every now and then. Um, we'll be going live from the Kentucky Calvary YouTube account. We'll also be posting the MP3 files on Spotify so you can listen you know, wherever you feel like it. Um, so what's up, Laren? How you doing, bro? Doing good, doing good. Man, we've been talking about making this podcast for over a year now and finally get around to it. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. We've been
1: discussing this. Uh, we talked about it. I know last summer we probably went off to college and then I just got too busy. I never got around to it.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, me and Laren have been talking to each other through like Twitter DMs, just talking about different uh, things going on with the UK, just kind of having discussions about UK sports through DMs, just talking about it. And, uh, you know, a while ago we decided, hey, I think it'd be a good idea if both of us were to just hop on a podcast and have these same types of discussions, except in voice form. So I'm glad we were able to finally get it going.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely been something in the works and now it's finally coming to fruition.
0: Yeah. All right, well, uh, I guess we can slide into our first topic, which today the first topic is the transfer portal and how it's impacted UK basketball kind of talking about, you know, the guys we've been looking at some of the guys we've missed out on there's been a lot of guys who have made their decision to go somewhere else. uh, some guys that we've been heavily interested in, like Baylor Shireman uh, out of South Dakota State and different guys like that. So how do you feel about the transfer portal so far? I think this is the first year where we've really been like looking at all a whole bunch of different guys. I mean, we dabbled in it last season, but it seems like this season we've been a lot more invested in it.
1: I feel like dabble is like a loose term because I know last year we took like, what, four? C.J. Frederick, Severe Wheeler. That's true. Shibwe and who's the other one?
0: Kellen Grady yeah that's true we did bring in a bunch last year
1: and then this year we only have one so far which is Antonio Reeves which I feel like he'll be a instant bucket getter for us uh I mean there's there was a lot that we a lot of prospects that we uh rush out to but it never seemed like anything really came up from that it was just reaching out seeing like hey are you interested
0: Right. It seems to me like Coach Cal is very strict on the type of player that he wants. I remember when Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State hit the transfer portal and I looked at his stats and watched some of his film, I was just in my head just begging Coach Cal, please bring this guy to UK. And then you know, some things come out about how Baylor was expecting a certain amount of NIL compensation and he wanted to be the number one option. Um, So we kind of just stopped talking to him. He ended up committing to Creighton. But um, I feel like Coach Couch is very picky when it comes to these guys in the portal. You know, he probably told Antonio Reeves, like, Hey, I know you're a bucket, but you're not going to be an instant starter. You know, you're going to have to work your way through this and he wants guys who are, are willing to do stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I was, I watched Baylor's highlights a little bit um, before I went to the gym one day. I really wanted him, but at the same time, Cal's never been one to bend rules, and with this whole NIL thing, everything's still up in the air. Uh, So, I mean, after Baylor committed to Creighton, didn't the NCAA come out and try to fix a bunch of that?
0: Yeah, yeah. After he committed to Creighton, it seemed like – I mean, I don't know if they had any correlation to each other, but after he committed to Creighton, uh, the NCAA came out and said they're tightening their NIL rules and they're going to start, like, uh, punishing schools for – promising money before those guys come, you know, basically you can't use a specific number of NIL money to convince a player to come. You can't tell a player, Hey, we'll give you at least a million dollars to come play for us. That that's, that's against the rules now.
1: Yeah. I know um, the one that really started it was the Isaiah Wong situation with Miami. I know that one is what really had it going. And there right. wasn't there another one that involved the Kansas state player,
0: Nigel Pack. I actually didn't look into that. I haven't really heard much about that one. I know that he uh, he also ended up at Miami, didn't he? I,
1: I think so, and I think those two alone, because uh, the boosters were promising money before they even committed, or before, yeah. before Wong hit the portal or was going to, and then before Pack committed.
0: Well, I I just remember being like, what, when I saw the announcement from Isaiah Wong about like, if y'all don't up my NIL compensation, I'm leaving. Like that was the first time we've seen somebody just straight up threaten his school with uh, like, Hey, I'm going to leave if you don't pay me more money. So that was crazy. And I think that's an initial sign that this NIL stuff is just a little too out of control right now. We definitely need to, you know, get a little tighter on the rule set with it.
1: Yeah. And didn't, uh, after all that and then the Baylor Shireman situation, didn't TJ Beisner, is that how you pronounce it, on Twitter, didn't he mm-hmm. go live with his tweets?
0: Yeah, and is he I, – I, I'm not entirely sure, but isn't he on the staff now? Like, did I, I don't know if I saw that Cal like hired him or something, or somebody hired him at the university to kind of um, c- control this NIL stuff for, for yeah. UK.
1: I think he is on staff. As far as position-wise, I don't know but I'm pretty sure he is on staff.
0: Yeah, I mean, his tweets mentioned something about, you know, like Coach Cal just straight up will not promise these guys anything NIL related. And I remember a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of Kentucky guys kind of mad at Coach Cal, like, or a bunch of Kentucky fans kind of mad at Coach Cal saying stuff like, you know, oh, why are you not taking advantage of NIL like the rest of these schools are? But then very shortly after um, Beisner's tweets came out, the NCAA released an official statement saying that they're, they're very, um, they're going to start tightening up the rules and stuff. So it seems like Coach Cal knew all along that, you know, if, if he does anything too out of the ordinary, that he's going to get in trouble, just like some of these other schools will.
1: Yeah, I have it pulled up right now on my phone. TJ Beisner basically said that we will not offer anyone money through NIL. Um, but he did say that if deals come with players that commit, like after they commit, by all means, go for it. Like right. You will not promise before they commit.
0: And I feel like most recruits should know that if you come to UK, you're going to make a lot of NIL money. Like, I don't feel like that's something we have to promise these kids because, I mean, Oscar, now that he's fully cleared with the NIL stuff, he's going to make a ton of money. Ty Ty made six figures last year and was driving around in a Porsche. Shaden Sharps never even played a game for us, and he's making a lot of NIL money. So I think these recruits know they don't have to be promised anything by UK. They know they're going to make a lot of money. They know how crazy this fan base is and all these businesses around lexington like they're gonna be paying these guys so i feel like that's not even really a concern as much as these fans think some of these fans think it is
1: yeah no if you come to kentucky with the branding that we have and the fan base you're you're gonna get nil money that's just a given at kentucky um there's even the small one like i know ty Tai had one with fazoli's so the triple threat right and wheeler has one with steak and shake i think so like even small places like that are still connected to Kentucky and are still doing NIL deals.
0: Right. So when it comes to these transfers and stuff, so, you know, some of these guys are looking for they're looking to be promised, you know, cuz Isaiah Wong at Miami, he's a decent college player. He probably doesn't have much of an NBA future, at least not a high level NBA future. So I could see why a guy like him would want to take as much advantage of NIL as possible. But again, you know, these guys are hiring these NIL agents and, you know, people to handle their NIL deals and stuff. And I'm guaranteeing, like, these agents are telling these players, hey, you can make way more money than you are. You need to go out and, and like, I'm sure his agent told him to threaten the university and stuff. And it backfired. You know, he pulled his name out of the portal. You know, he, I think he pulled his name out of the portal. But he, like, backtracked on that. He was like, no, I'm actually not demanding any more money because I think stuff like that can get these kids in trouble. All right, moving on to our next topic today, uh, the current Kentucky basketball roster let's uh we're giving going to give our thoughts on how we feel about it you know the start who we think our starting five is going to be how we feel about the current depth you know if we don't land another recruit or another transfer and we don't get any news about like shade and sharp coming back or anything are we currently comfortable with how the roster looks you know do you feel comfortable with how the roster is uh right now if we don't add anything like if nothing changes do you think that we're we're in good shape
1: i personally do think we're in good shape um you lose Washington, but you still have Wheeler, who was – I think he led the SEC in assists. Uh, C.J. Frederick, you get him back from injury. He's a knockdown sharpshooter, like, what, 47%, 48% in his career? Mm-hmm. Right. Then uh, Damian, Damian or Collins, Damian Collins is returning. Um, I think if he puts on enough weight, you know, he'll be a force around the rim, rebounding. Obviously, he's a freakish athlete. Um, and then Lance Ware, Oscar Shiboy. Yeah, Jacob Toppin's expected to come back. So, I mean, right now I like this roster. Didn't even right. mention Antonio Reeves.
0: Yeah, and and not to mention the the recruits we have coming in as well. You know, like two top 15 players. Adu uh, Aduthiero is more of a project piece. But, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I feel good about our current roster. You know, losing Keyon to the transfer portal, in my opinion, doesn't hurt us too much. I think that actually needed to happen so that we could – fully get what we need to get out of Jacob Toppin and Damian Collins at the power forward position. I think Toppin's the day one starter at power forward, but Damian Collins is so talented that if he develops the way he should develop, I think there's no way you can keep him off the court. Just like you said, he's a freak athlete. He's got great instincts when it comes to uh, blocking shots. Um, And he's shown his ability to stretch the floor as well. Like um, in in the Big Blue Madness game last year, you know, before the season started, he hit like a couple couple threes I think you know we know that he can shoot if you look at his high school highlights he hit threes at a decent rate he hit mid-range jump shots at a decent rate so I think you know he's going to be able to stretch the floor more than people think and then you know catching lobs and all that it really just comes down to his physicality can he handle the physicality of the SEC last year he couldn't he was too skinny he was too weak he got bullied sometimes Um, but we hired a new strength coach I believe Um, yeah the Purdue associate Right. So, you know, getting a new strength coach in there, maybe he's going to get in there and, and completely transform Damien uh, because that's really the only thing holding him back at this point is a little bit of an experience. And then just if he can get the physicality down pat and he can be able to handle, you know, be embodied in the paint, you know, he's got the tools to be insanely good. Yeah. They have
1: him on like a 5,000 calorie diet, I think, which if you're eating that much a day, you, I hope you put on weight.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. I, and just looking at the rest of that roster, not even just talking about Damian, you know, we've – like if I could predict my starting five right now, we've got Sevier Wheeler at point who not only did he lead the SEC in assists, he led all of Power 5 in assists. He was number one in all of Power 5 basketball in assists. So all these people who are like, oh, Sevier Wheeler, he's he holds us back. He's not a good player just because he had some shooting issues and some turnover issues. Like, yeah, but – Um, He's a good point guard. He's a he's an amazing full court point guard when it comes to transition. He kind of struggles in the half court because he's not a a consistent shooter. But statistically, towards the end of SEC play last season, he was I think he shot like 38 or 35 percent from three in SEC play, which is really solid numbers. Um, So if he can get if he can turn that into consistency, he's a good defender. He's electric. He's the best passer in the country. So him at point, he'll be a senior next year. That's big. Um, And then I predict Kaysen Wallace to be the starting two right off the bat, like no matter who's back, unless Shaden Sharp comes back, um, Kaysen is the two without a doubt. Like he's probably, I said this in a TikTok the other day, I think he's the highest caliber player we've gotten in a while. Like Ty Ty was good. And like last year, you know, we got BJ Boston, who was a top five recruit. We obviously, he didn't work out like intended, but I think, I don't know if we've gotten a player of Kaysen Wallace's caliber in a while, like in terms of just how good he is. Yeah, he's
1: um, the thing about him is that he's like versatile. He can do it all from running the one. He can play off ball at the two. Um, his defense is amazing. If you watch the um, was it the Jordan Brand or the Allison?
0: Yeah, the Jordan Brand uh, classic, two. I think.
1: Yeah, if you watch those two, I mean, he had that one uh, double pump underneath the block dunk. Mm-hmm. So yep. I mean, he's he's a freak athlete in himself. So I mean, I would I would put Wallace at the two too
0: in in terms of high school defensive guards i don't know if i've seen a def- a guard as advanced as him defensively in a really long time like he's got great instincts on ball he's very he has a high defensive iq um he doesn't get stopped by screens very often because like if you just look at him in terms of his body he's just built like i don't know, remember the last time we had a guard come in who was that physically ready like he is he's huge like for a guard like he's in great shape he's shredded um, very strong and that's the type of thing that's going to help him when it comes to finishing at the rim offensively like we already know he's there defensively we already know he's a good rebounder we already know he's athletic the question mark is more so on offense can he shoot consistently Uh, we know he's got a great floater and we know he can finish at the rim so I'm just I really the only thing is can he shoot the three which from what I've watched I don't think is too much of a concern
1: no, um, I honestly think since uh, beginning of his senior year to now, his three balls improved from watching highlights. So yeah. I don't have no problem with him. I don't have any fears in him not being able to shoot the three. It's right. just can he adjust quickly to become a starting two guard in the SEC from day one?
0: And I think the perfect uh, comparison for him as a player is is uh, Drew Holiday. I saw somebody make a Drew Holiday comp for Kason Wallace, and the light just went off my head. I'm like, that's exactly who he is. He's an elite on-ball defender. He's very strong, solid, very built guard, can play the one or the two. You know, Holiday started off his career in the NBA as a at play in the point, and then he slowly transitioned into being more of a, a combo guard, and I think that's what Kaysen is. Um, you know, Holiday's not an amazing three-point shooter, but he can knock it down. He's got a decent enough offensive game, good playmaker. Like, I think that's just a... A perfect comparison case wallace to drew holiday
1: yeah i saw that same tweet i 100% agree um for the three i don't have any idea who i'd put right now
0: i think it of course this is all hinging on if Shaden sharp doesn't come back which i mean if we had to take a guess he's not coming back yeah no so I, think he's too. I think off As of right now, the most likely scenario is Antonio Reeves plugging in at the three. Um, But I could see Chris Livingston potentially starting, you know, if they like his upside more, but – if you have a severe Wheeler, and Wallace, Chris Livingston starting like top three, I just don't know if the sh- there's enough shooting there. So I think Reeves kind of has to be the starter in that instance, at least for now, because Livingston can shoot, but he's not going to be a consistently great three-point shooter coming in as a freshman. So I think we need one of those guys just so we have a shooter on the floor. Um, Because, again, I mean, Casey Wallace is a question mark with his shooting. We don't know if Xavier is going to take any strides when it comes to his shooting. So I feel like Reeves is going to have to plug in as the starting three so that we can have his shooting. He shot 40% from three at Illinois State.
1: I mean, if you think about it, Reeves set – didn't you set a commitment date? Or it was like he was close. There was rumblings he was close. And then he released a top five on Friday. And then Saturday morning he committed after Sharp was ruled eligible for the draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember he, there was people who, like, people, reports that he was already committed silently, and he was just waiting, and that he was going to make an announcement, and then instead of making an announcement, he released a top five, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're not getting Antonio Reeves, and then, yeah, and then the news came out that Sharp was eligible, and then the next day, you know, uh, Reeves committed, so I do think that that pretty much, that right there tells us what's going to happen with Shade and Sharp. Yeah,
1: so you got uh, Wheeler- we think Wallace, we think Reeves. Mm-hmm. I think the 4 and the 5 are self-explanatory, Toppin, Sheboy.
0: Right. Yeah. I, um, at least for the beginning of the year, there's no no debating who the top who the 4 and the 5 are going to be.
1: Yeah, I think if Toppin so he has his name in the draft right now, which he's just testing the waters. Calipari's already said he thinks he's coming back. Um if Toppin can knock down threes consistently, like he hit he hit like two or three last year, I think one against Kansas. One against LSU in the corner at the buzzer at half. But if he can knock it down consistently, I think he has solidified us the starting four for the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless Damian Collins develops into Anthony Davis, then (laughs) I I think Jacob Toppin is probably the surefire. I mean, skill set-wise... People are really underrating Collins. People think that Collins is just an athlete, but the guy has the intangibles. He's got a jump shot. Like if you watch his mechanics when he shoots, he has great mechanics, especially for a 6'10 guy with a crazy wingspan. Like Collins is one of those guys who, if he takes a big leap, like imagine if he ta- statistically he takes a leap similar to PJ Washington from his freshman to sophomore year. If he makes that much development, I it's going to be hard to keep him off the court um, but like you said, if Toppin develops a three-point shot, Toppin is already an elite defender from one through five. He can switch on the guards, he can play in the paint, he's his athleticism makes him a decent shot blocker, a great defensive rebounder. He's also offensively, he's a great playmaker. Um, there were times where he was like playing like a point forward sometimes. I think he had like seven or eight assists in a game one time this year, like so he can pass. You know, obviously he's a great athlete, so he can dunk and you know catch lobs and stuff, but The only thing missing for Jacob Toppin is that consistently hitting a mid-range to three-point shot, and I think not only will he be a year-long starter if he develops that, but he could play his way into being a first-round selection similar to his brother. You know, his brother was a senior at Dayton, developed all, it took him four years to develop into a great player, but once he developed into a great player, he was a lottery pick. So I'm not saying Jacob will be a lottery pick, but I think similar production can happen.
1: I think if Toppin, if Jacob gets the right feedback from the NBA, I could see him being a mid to early first rounder in next year's draft.
0: Right. I mean completely dependent on his his offensive uh development. I mean it's he's got to be more aggressive with the mid-range shots um and then he's got to start taking more threes. He he hit a couple threes last year, you know, he, he towards the end of the season he started trying to be more of a Keon Brooks contributor offensively with like the the pick and pop into the mid-range and you know, he he took a lot more mid-range shots at the end of the year. You could tell the coaching staff was pushing for him to shoot more. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if Toppin develops that jump shot, you know, he's got all the other – he's got the playmaking, he's got the defense, he's got the rebounding, the athleticism. It's really just dependent on that jump shot.
1: 100% I agree on that. And then, obviously, Shibwe, he's going to be starting at the fire from day one. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. no one yeah. taking his spot.
0: No, no one will take his spot all year. And, honestly – I wasn't surprised he came back. Like I kind of figured it was going to happen as long as he got his NIL stuff figured out. But like you can't put into words how huge that is for this team, like to return the national player of the year, a guy who completely carried the team for most of the season. Like I feel like during the season, we didn't realize how much he was carrying us, but like if we didn't have Oscar on last year's team, I really don't know if, if that team is even a tournament squad, like it's we had the decent guard play, you know, but we didn't have nearly enough production in the front court. I think if we don't have Oscar, you know, we I don't think we have nearly the season that we had.
1: Yeah, if Oscar didn't commit to Kentucky, you, I mean, you know, you had Lance Ware, but who would the other center have been this year? You know, we don't know that.
0: Maybe Jalen Duran, if the if the spot was open, maybe he would have come to us instead of Memphis. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that one either.
0: But
1: so. I feel like if Lance can contribute this year, we'll have a solid five spot.
0: Oh, yeah. And, like, now that we've talked about the starting lineup, looking at the bench, you know, there's question marks on the backup point guard position. You know, are we going to dip back into the portal and kind of figure out, you know, who maybe grab a backup point guard from the portal? It, there's not really many options right now. Is a fiero going to be good enough to contribute right off the bat as a backup point guard? You know, obviously we know CJ Frederick, as long as he can stay healthy, knock on wood that he can stay healthy. Cause like, I want to see him so bad. I think he can slide into that Davion Mintz role. He's a great three and D wing piece as long as he can stay healthy. Um, And then, you know, Chris Livingston would be coming off the bench. Most likely having a top 15 five-star recruit potential first round pick coming off the bench is massive. Um, And then Collins at the four backup four. And then of course, Lance and, you know, Lance will be a a junior, right? Next year?
1: Uh, Yeah, because his first year was the Terrence uh, BJ year.
0: Okay. So, yeah, he'll be a junior next year. And, you know, he's probably not going to see the floor much because of Oscar, but he's a guy who – like. People act – I see a lot of Kentucky fans act like Lance is just garbage and that he never did anything. But the guy barely played this year because of Lance. And then when he did play, he had some nice blocks. He sets hard screens. He's a good hustle player. He, he gets in the heads of the – that's my favorite thing about him. He's the biggest trash talker on the team. Dude averages one point and one board, and he's the best trash talker on the team. Like,
1: yeah, he's he like just, the biggest dog on the team.
0: Yeah, he just he gets into he gets into the opponent's head. Uh we saw multiple instances where guys were trying to fight him, dude. Like he just knows how to get He's like he's like our Patrick Beverly, you know, our guy who can just come in and just piss people off. Like that's that's what I love the most about Lance. I love it. He's got a dog mentality. And he, he was a five-star recruit, you know. The guy has the intangibles. He's got the size. He's a broad-shouldered big guy with good rim protection. Um So I'm excited to see, you know, how Lance develops.
1: Yeah, if you look at his um, freshman year, to sophomore year, the way his body changed and the fact that he's coming back for a junior year, I think he is the definition of trusting the process.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, you just look at Nick Richards. Nick Richards is a perfect example. And I mean, Lance isn't going to have the opportunity this year that Nick Richards had as a junior, but Nick Richards was a guy, that dude could have, he could have pulled an EJ Montgomery and gone pro after his sophomore year, even though he knew he wasn't going to get drafted. But instead he, he did what nobody else has really done. He, he pulled the Willie Colley Stein route where he said, I'm going to, I'm going to stay. And then that paid off for him as a junior. He was an all American. So um, I don't know if Lance has that in him. I'm not sure if senior Lance Ware is an all American, but trusting the process has worked for a lot of guys in the past at UK. So I think that, uh, you know, I think him being there developing under this coaching staff, playing against Oscar Shibway every day is going to make, you know, it's going to give you the physicality. It's going to make you a lot better, at all, especially on the defensive end. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how many strides Lance Ware takes with his development.
1: And just to um, talk about CJ Frederick one more time before we get to the next topic, If I remember correctly, I think I saw a tweet where he went 78 for 164 in two seasons at Iowa, and that's 47.5%, so 48, 47%. You get that coming back this year and possibly off the bench.
0: Yeah, I mean, that type of guy coming off your bench, he was a starter for Iowa, and Real quick, I will say I think some Kentucky fans' expectations are a little high for CJ because, as a starter at Iowa in two seasons, he only I think he averaged like seven, eight points per game as a starter. So he is a great shooter, but he's not a guy who's going to be searching for his shot. You know, I feel like Davion Davion Mintz was more aggressive with searching for his shot. You know, guys like that, I don't think he's going to be a dude who comes out and shoots 10 plus shots every game. He's going to be a guy who gets to his spots, and if he's open, he'll knock down the shot. But I think people expect him to replace Kellen Grady's production or even replace Davion Mintz's scoring production. And I just don't think that's quite what he is. He is a... Really good on the defensive end. People don't talk about that. He's a good on-ball defender. He's a solid rebounder. He's what is he six five six six? Like he's got the size, but he is just a catch and shoot knockdown shooter. Sometimes he can step in and hit the hit the floater. But um, I think we need to pump the brakes on our expectations for him just a little bit.
1: Yeah, let him let him. He's had a year off. Let him get acclimated to playing again. Let him get used to it, and then I think we can make a fair judgment then.
0: Right. Overall, I like the uh, the roster, I think, from top to bottom. It's really solid. But, uh, you know, the, the the crazy thing is there's still room to grow. There's still room to improve. There's still potential guys to be added. You know, maybe they shocked the world and Shaden Sharp doesn't like his draft grade. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to come back and be the number one pick. And then at that point, that takes us from, yeah, we're surefire top five to national championship or bust. If if Shaden Sharp's on that team next year is national championship or bust. And that segues into our next topic <laughs> talking about Shaden Sharp. So um just what's your thoughts on everything that's gone down with Shaden, you know, all this this is probably the weirdest situation I've ever seen at UK like obviously the Ennis Cantor situation where he just wasn't eligible because he made money professionally in in Turkey or wherever he was that made a little bit of sense because it's like okay he played professionally he can't play that's just one of the rules obviously he still should have played but this is easily one of the weirdest situations I've I've ever seen at UK so
1: my stance on Shaden Sharp um, he committed to Kentucky and I was ecstatic. He chose us over, I think, Kansas, Oklahoma State, the G League, a few others. And being the number one player, and then he came in early. I mean, he had time to get used to our system. And I listen to Aaron Torres a lot, and he stays up to date on everything. I had heard that when our guards went down, so Ty tie with the ankle injury, and then Wheeler, you know, he had problems staying healthy this year. I heard that. Shaden family and Shaden wanted him to play, even Cal, but it was his mentor that didn't want him to play.
0: Yeah, and that's – I mean, that's the thing that's kind of – it's kind of become a meme on UK Twitter just like, wow, all my homies hate Dwayne Washington. Like, yep. um, the whole – that whole situation – and that's easily the most frustrating part of the whole thing. It's like I would have been fine with, you know, him playing half the year and then going pro. Like, if that's what he felt like he needed to do, fine. But the fact that his his handler – Went against his wishes, went against his family's wishes, and said, "No, your best move is to just sit out, do nothing, and go pro." All the while, he's telling Coach Cal, he's telling the staff, "We'll be back next year, hundred percent. We'll be back next year." While he's secretly talking to these NBA teams and, you know, talking to the NBA, saying he'll definitely be in the draft. That's it's it's infuriating that we were just lied to straight to our face and people want to blame coach Cal and people want to blame Shaden. And it's just, he's, he's a kid who's being handled by somebody. It's not Shaden's fault. And then coach Cal, he, he did what he could. He tried to get the kid to play and his handler convinced him, convinced Shaden not to. So this whole situation is just completely out of control. It's out of anybody's control. We blame Dwayne Washington for this. Um It's not Shaden's fault. It's not coach Cal's fault. And yeah i mean the, number one recruit man i just wish i wish he didn't when's last time we landed number one recruit was it Scal? was Scal the last number one recruit we landed was scout number one i he was in some places i think um i don't know who else was in that cl- class but was it like the
1: class of ben simmons as well
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but, I mean, Simmons was – there was, like, two sites that had Scal number one and two sites that had Ben number one. But Scal was number one somewhere. So, I don't know. I just can't remember the last, like, number one overall recruit we got who was ranked number one anywhere.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I think based on who
0: you look at, I think it was Scal was our last number one recruit. Yeah, so it's like – Finally, you know, okay, finally, we're, we're back. You know, we're, we landed a number one recruit. I think we already had Kaysen and Chris committed at the time before Shaden committed, if I'm I not mistaken. So. Yeah. so it's like we had two top 10 players, then we added the number one player, and it's like, okay, we're back. Like, finally, one of Coach Cal's classic elite recruiting classes, you know, plus the transfer portal, we're chilling. And then this whole, like, it's just so demoralizing that we could have had a surefire top five pick um, play, and and we wouldn't have lost to St. Peter's if Shaden Sharp was playing, I'll tell you that much.
1: Oh, 100%. That game, Oscar had us in his duffel bag. Mm-hmm. It, it was, uh I think Oscar had 30 and 18 with like three or four blocks that game.
0: Yeah, Oscar did everything he could, man. And, you know, if we had Shaden, we wouldn't have had to force Ty-Ty to play through injury. If we had Shaden, we wouldn't, you know, because I think the report came out that Kellen Grady was playing on two foots of plantar fasciitis at the end of the season. And I've had plantar fasciitis before. You literally can't walk. Like they, um, they, they, there's no way he was playing completely untreated. They had to inject some painkillers in his foot or something because there's no way he was running around out there with double plantar fasciitis. In the, so, same,
1: in the same report, he was saying that the next morning after games, he was crawling to the bathroom.
0: Yeah, he literally and, – and I believe him because, like I said, I've had it before, and it's it's – I had it in one foot, so I was able to hop around. But if I tried to put pressure on it, dude, it's like that you're just not walking normally, much less running on on a foot with plantar fasciitis. So, you know, we would have been able to rest Kellen a little bit more. Um, the only guard who was playing somewhat normally by the end of the year was Davion Mintz He's the only guy who was playing like uninjured, and he was playing all right by the end of the year. But, you know. Savir was playing through injury. He he got concussed. He had whiplash. Like he, he was really hurt multiple times. You know, it doesn't seem like he ever fully recovered. And then, of course, ty Tie got he hurt his leg two or three times, never fully recovered. And then Kellen was playing hurt. So if we had that elite top five NBA selection playing shooting guard for us, playing on the wing for us, we would not have had to play those guys through injury. And if you look like a starting five of Savir, Tie Tie, uh, you know, even let's just say we have the same starting five, but we're bringing Shaden off the bench. Even that alone, there's no way we lose to St. Peter's. Like, and with the national player of the year, two lottery picks, one of the best shooters in the country in Kellen Grady, one of the best passers in the in the uh country in Sevier Wheeler. That roster is is making a deep run, if not winning at all, because we beat Kansas by 20 or however much it was, 19. With that team. So imagine if you add a top five NBA draft pick.
1: We beat Kansas by 20 at Allen Fieldhouse. And then we beat UNC by like 30. 30, yeah. So I mean, right there alone, you beat the two teams in the national title by a combined 50. Yeah. And then you have a top 10, top 15, probably for sure lottery on your bench that could have been playing.
0: And people want to act like Oh, there was nothing wrong with that team. We just choked. We just couldn't shoot. We just weren't that good. No, we were. We had our top three guards were all playing banged up. Like it's, it, and we that none of that would have even happened. We would have been able to sit Ty for longer if we had Shaden. Shaden could have slid into that starting spot while Ty Ty sits out until the tournament. He didn't. He wouldn't have had to play towards the end of the season. You know, he could have just chilled and and fully healed. And same with Kellen. If Kellen's got plantar fasciitis, let the guy sit out for a week or two and put Shaden in there. You know, you've still got Mince and Shaden. And and it's just this season would have gone so much different. I'm going to blame all our problems on Dwayne Washington. So us losing to St. Peter's, (laughs) that's Dwayne Washington's fault. Shaden never playing for Kentucky. That's Dwayne Washington's fault. And it's like, I like the kid. He seems like a good kid. He's an absolute baller. It's going to be hard for me to look at him as a Kentucky player in the NBA. We claim all these guys. I love watching Kentucky players in the NBA. That's kind of the only reason I watch the NBA is to keep up with Kentucky players. But I don't think I'm going to be able to look at Shaden Sharp if he never plays a game for us. I don't think I'm going to be able to look at him and be like, yeah, that's a UK alum. That, I, you know, We can claim him as if he becomes a star, he's not going to be put on any graphics of like, look at all these NBA stars we have. Like, It's just frustrating how the whole situation went down.
1: I mean, I feel like for Kentucky's recruiting efforts, they'll try to slide Shaden in there. But at the same time, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if you can claim him because he was down to play and then Dwayne Washington.
0: Yeah, man. And, like, again, maybe maybe he hears – from the NBA? Because I mean, this is an entire, this is entirely a possibility that the NBA is like, Hey, we don't have enough film on you, bro. Like we, our last film on you is high school where we don't want to take the risk and use a top 10 pick on you. I mean, he's got the talent, obviously, but he's a guy who was a a four star up until like the last month or so of the recruiting cycle where he then transferred, you know, then he like started playing on these circuits and, and playing super well and then got bumped up to the number one overall recruit. So it's like – it's not like the guy is always – it's not like he's an money Bates who's always been seen as the number one guy. You know, He he shot up to being the number one player towards the end of his high school career. So it's not like the, these guys have been scouting him super hard for a long time. So it's unlikely he comes back, but if I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get good feedback because he – I mean, he's going to participate in the Combine, but it wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, yeah him and Ty-Ty got invited to the Combine, and – While he was ruled eligible, the NBA's player union, NBA PU, was pushing against it the whole time. Right. So the fact that – and doesn't Damian Lillard, like, lead that group? I think he does.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: The fact that you got Damian Lillard, one of the stars in the NBA, and then everyone else on that players union, I think Chris Paul is on there and a few others pushing against Shaden Sharp, and then the NBA just does that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, and I guess we could talk about the transcript stuff, how they're claiming that this whole time he graduated. What are they claiming? He graduated in October or something. They're claiming he graduated in May. May. Oh, yeah. He actually graduated in October and then came to Kentucky in December, but they're claiming he graduated in May of 2021, which just magically makes him eligible. He
1: was doing homework during the the AAU tournaments.
0: My man was – my man was – Still playing high school – and it's like that story doesn't add up because, okay, he graduated in May, but then he chilled all summer, went back to school just to hoop in school and, like, stay in school. Like, why would he not try to go – if he really wanted to get to the NBA as early as possible, if he actually graduated in May, why would he stay in school until October and hoop for high school and AAU and do all that until October and then enroll early? They were, they- they were talking about he's – Oh, man, this just gets me so heated. They were talking (laughs) about how he's still finishing classes to graduate in, like, November or October, um, September, October. They're like, yeah, Shaden Sharp's trying to finish all his credits so he can enroll early at UK. Like, that, I remember distinctly that conversation being had, that he had not yet finished school by that time. But the
1: second that he declares and there's all this rebuttal about, oh, how he might not be eligible, you know who it was? Dwayne Washington
0: okay. yep Dwayne Washington magically came up with this transcript from Sunrise Christian about oh yeah oh yeah he graduated in May of last year dude th- th- for, for sure and it just conflicts all the things that he said it conflicts all the stuff they were saying about how he was still finishing classes in like September and October and it, it's just I don't know it's so fishy the whole situation and the, the fact that the NBA is just allowing it to happen is just very infuriating I, I wish they would have just
1: didn't have his license for to be an agent
0: I was, yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. He failed the agent test. So, like, how do you let the, how do you even believe a word this guy says if he's been, if he was lying to Kentucky the whole time and then he comes up with this magical, tr- fishy transcript that completely, you know, rebukes everything he said in the past and he fails the agency test and you're still like, oh, yeah, we believe him. He's eligible. Like, it just makes no sense, dude. No, I think that
1: was uh, another big thing. The uh, Players Union was, pushing against the sharp situation because of Dwayne like that was one of their key points. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah man, it's just again, I I will welcome the kid back. If he doesn't like it or if or if for some reason they just say never mind, you're not eligible or if he doesn't like his feedback, please come back dude. Like I will not be mad at you. It's not even his fault anyway. So, you're m- very much welcome back, Shane. It's just you know, I feel like kids like this need to and I mean coach Cal alluded to it too about how I think coach Cal threw shots at Dwayne Washington I don't don't remember the exact context but it was something like yeah I'll talk to Shaden and his parents and no one else about it or something like that
1: yeah that's that was the exact quote he said I'm currently or I have been talking to Shaden and his parents and then I think he left it at that he didn't mention Dwayne at all
0: yeah so it's like somebody needs to tell these kids that hey these I mean it's obvious Dwayne Washington sees Shaden as a potential future NBA superstar and so he's this is the first time he's even tried to be an agent or anything it's because this is the best player he's ever had connections with so it's like he has connections with this guy Shaden trusts him enough to make him his handler so he's like oh dude I'm going to get so rich off this kid it's like he, it's so obvious he's just trying to make money off of him and i just wish Shaden's parents or somebody would have coach cal somebody would have been like hey dude This guy is not good for you. He's leeching off you. You need to break away from him. You can figure this out without a guy like that in your corner.
1: Yeah. The whole Dwayne Washington situation just – I remember um, back when I was still in school, I got out of uh, chemistry one day and it was like 12 o'clock and all these reports started to come out about Dwayne and I'm just like, yeah, that's the sole reason Shaden won't play at Kentucky.
0: Yeah. So, nope. Yeah, man. and And – it's just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth about the whole situation and how, what could have been, you know. If shade again, if Shaden's on next year's team, it's championship or bust. That roster alone, you got the potential number one pick, national player of the year. You're returning the leader, leading power five assist guy. You got a 47% three point shooter coming off the bench. You got two other top fifteen recruits, including Caseon Wallace, who's a top five recruit. You've, you're returning a senior Jacob Toppin, junior Lance Ware. You know, that roster, if you add Shaden Sharp to number one overall pick in next year's draft, that team immediately becomes arguably the best team we've ever had roster wise at UK.
1: 100%. But at the same time, would you, which this is a little off topic, kind of not, you have Shaden, who's never played in college, or you have Antonio Reeves, who averaged like what, 24 last year? Something like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, Obviously, you know, I still think even if Shaden comes back, I think Antonio Reeves will be here. You know, he's he's there's a place for him for sure. He's definitely good enough. But, yeah, I mean, that's the question. I think I, um, I saw a poll on Twitter that was like – it was when we were considering Baylor-Shireman, and some people were like – or the, the poll said, would you rather have Baylor-Shireman and Antonio Reeves or Shaden Sharp comes back? And, like, most of the votes were for Shireman and Reeves because even though those guys played lower level – Basketball, you definitely want a guy who is – you You want guys who are proven. But at the same time, if you could have a guy who's good enough to be the number one pick, you know, he's going to be playing like an NBA player while the rest of these guys are college players. Who knows if Baylor, Sharman, or Antonio Reeves will ever make it in the NBA. So it's like if you could have a guy who's good enough to play in the NBA right now on your team, you're you're going to take that 100 times.
1: Yeah, at that point, though, you'd have the number one – maybe the number one pick in Sharp and the National Player of the Year on the same team. So Right. It would be yeah. – ridiculous yeah it off balances and which one you'd
0: prefer I think either situation would I mean best case scenario is we keep Reeves and Sharp comes back but either situation is fine I still do think for me to feel great for me to feel perfect about next year's roster there needs to be a proven backup point guard who can shoot he doesn't have to be able to do the other stuff great you know if he if we have a backup point guard who can come in and shoot the ball because as of right now, the only guards we have that we know can shoot are C.J. Frederick, who who knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy, and Antonio Reeves, who knows how he's going to adjust to this increase in competition. So we still don't really have any guards back there who I'm 100% confident in as a, as a high-level three-point shooter. Like Kellen Grady... People are frustrated with Kellen Grady at the end of the year, but he was incredible for the majority of the season. Outside of him being a little passive sometimes and not taking shots when he needed to, he did everything he was supposed to do. That's the type of player I want to have, and I'm I'm not sure we have a guy like that on next year's roster right now.
1: Yeah, you get one more good backup point guard that can shoot, and I I feel like this team is not national title or bust, but they're making a run in the tournament, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and this – One more thing I kind of want to talk about before we move on to the last topic is I've heard reports, and I'm sure you have as well, about how Adu Aduthiero's doctors don't think he'll stop growing until he hits 6'8". He's 6'5 right now. He's a 6'5 combo guard, and I think that that might be part of the reason why Coach Cal took the guy because, yeah, he's got connections to his dad and stuff, but I just don't think Coach would have offered this dude if he wasn't legit. If he wasn't built for this, I don't think he would be here. So looking at a guy who's currently a combo guard, he's currently technically a point guard in high school. He grows three more inches to six eight. Like, the amount of potential that a Duthiero could have if he grows to six eight is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I remember um, when he – set his commitment day after visiting Kentucky. In my head, I'm like, oh, automatic Kentucky lock. And uh, I pulled up his highlights, and I watched, I think, four minutes of like a seven, eight-minute video, and I'm like, yeah, that 100%, we need him here. Even if he doesn't contribute on the floor from day one in like games, give him two or three years, and if he trusts the process, like these guys like Willie Colleystein, Lance Ware, Nick Richards, he will, he will be a contributor by year three or four, I feel like.
0: Right, and he also might surprise people. If you remember, Shay Gilgis-Alexander was a four-star. You know, he was underrated. He was outside of the top 150 until the end of the recruiting cycle. I think he finished, you know, like 40th or something, or 31st or something like that. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander was a similar guy. He's a guy who flew under the radar for a while, wide-shouldered, long wingspan guard who can kind of do – he's very smooth with the ball in his hands. He can do pretty much everything on the floor. It's kind of similar to a Thierro, and I think – we, it, the, either one of two things will happen. Either he will not be ready and he'll just be practicing all year and he'll barely play for his freshman season, or he will be that backup point guard. Maybe that's why we don't go after another point guard because maybe Coach Cal thinks Adu can be the backup point guard. Um, but either way, he's either going to be not a contributor at all or he's going to have a Shea Gilgis-Alexander type impact. I mean, Shea was the most underrated player coming in and they ended up being the best player on the team. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about it.
1: If we don't go after another point guard, I think with Adu, if they do decide to put him at backup, um, I feel like it could work. Just for the sheer sure fact that his junior year, I forgot what he averaged, but his senior year wasn't he averaging like close to twenty five or thirty? And like it, it was, was a near, it was a near triple double. I think with uh, like three blocks and four steals a game.
0: Yeah, he was. It was like twenty five points eight rebounds, eight assists with, like, 2.5 blocks and, like, three three or four steals a game. Like, yeah, it was crazy. And the only kind of iffy thing is he shot 29% from three in his senior year, but I think they said before he hit his growth spurt, he was, like, a 40% three-point shooter. Like, he was a great shooter before his growth spurt. So he's probably still just adjusting to his arms growing and his body growing and stuff like that. Yeah, that
1: saying, um, iron sharpened iron, you know, Pressure makes mm-hmm. diamonds. If he comes to Kentucky, you know what Kentucky, you're automatically competing with like the best of the best. So with him playing against uh, Wheeler, Wallace, Livingston, if he's at six he'll be going up against Livingston a little too. So if you have him going up against M3, even others on the team, he 100% can only get better.
0: Yeah. I mean, going up and like, even when you're being guarded by guys like, um, you know, severe wheelers, a great on-ball defender, you know, he might be small, but he's a great on-ball defender. Uh, Dude playing, just playing against case and Wallace in at all, like getting guarded by case and Wallace in practice every day, you, there's no way you don't become better. If I'm getting clamped by case and Wallace in practice, you got to find a way to get past a guy like case and Wallace, who is one of the best going to be one of the best guard defenders we've ever seen. Like, I saw some Ashton Hagen's comparisons. I think he's a better defender than Ashton Hagen's by, by kind of a long shot. Like I think Hagen's was good at his positioning at stealing the ball and stuff like that, but he wasn't like a guy who was just going to straight up clamp you and force you to pick up the ball and pass the ball and stuff like that's who Casey Wallace is. He will stop you. So, um, you know, he's, he's built physically and athletically, and he's got the defensive instincts. Like, it's going to be so hard to get past him. So, if, Aduthiero just practicing against Cason every day is going to make him a lot better. You know, when he's practicing getting past Cason Wallace, like, you get past Cason Wallace, and then Damian Collins is waiting for you in the paint to block your shot. So, he's going to be practicing against really good defensive players who are going to make him a lot better. And I think he, he definitely is a guy who will – be a contributor someday just because like like you said you watched his highlights i watched his highlights too he's very smooth he can get to the rim with his length and his athleticism he's not he's not that fast he really isn't like a super speedy guy but he his length it just allows him to get from point a to point b really easily he's got a good handle so yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm excited for Adu dude he's he's under the radar people are gonna act like this is not a meaningful signing at all but i do think he will be really solid eventually
1: Oh, yeah, no, he'll, he'll definitely be a contributor by, I think, year three at least if he stays that long. But uh, year two, year one, he could shock some people. So we just got to let time tell its story.
0: And then to, to, like, kind of figure or finalize this topic, um, thinking a little bit more about that backup point guard position, um Kaysen can slide over to the one if he has to. and I've seen people say Antonio Reeves is a guy who could run the point if we asked him to. He's got – I mean, I don't know if you've seen Antonio Reeves' highlights. I'm sure you have. The dude is – a bucket obviously but he's got a crazy handle like he's got a crazy step back he's got he's like long arms and he does those like wide swing crossovers and stuff like he's got a good handle he only averaged like two assists for illinois state but that's because he was doing all the scoring for them so i think he can play the backup point casein can slide over to the one uh, maybe even CJ Frederick could run the one a little bit similar to Davion. And then we do have a Duthiero who might be able to run the one and Jacob Toppin is a great playmaker. So if we need a point forward, we've got Jacob Toppin. So even if we don't land another point guard, I think the position is still stable enough to where I'm not too concerned.
1: Yeah. Just that having that extra stability, I guess, with that backup point guard would mean a whole lot, but I feel like we could make it work without it. So it, just got to see what the staff does with what um, scholarships they have left.
0: I just don't know, like, looking at the portal now, looking at who – I mean, because the, the portal deadline's over, right? Um, I think it was over the other day.
1: Yeah, I think May 1st you had to be in the portal to be eligible for this season. Right. But um, I think all the, por- all the people that are portaling, as they call it now, have to be at a new school by June
0: 1st. I okay. Think. So, I mean, if you we'll just look at who's in the portal right now, there's really no, like – kentucky caliber point guards in that in the portal right now in my opinion so i just don't think i mean if i had to make a guess right now i would say we don't add another point guard unless there's just some weird circumstance that comes out of nowhere or unless we take a commitment from another school maybe they decommit and come here like i just don't really see a situation where we get a high level backup point guard at this point
1: yeah i think the roster is pretty much done i've thought that for a while now but you you never know it wasn't Kellen Grady came out of the blue last year, so
0: right. just
1: got to let time.
0: Yep, just let time take hold. And, I, again, I'm I'm comfortable with our roster right now. I wouldn't be mad at a couple more additions or in one more addition, but I still think with the roster we have, we're, we're chilling. So yeah. um, the final topic today is a little more lighthearted. I just want to hear what your top five favorite UK basketball players are. Um, you know, mine, you know, I, I, I really started watching – basketball like i i was always a kentucky fan growing up but i like i didn't really get into it super hard i didn't start loving it until um like the john wall year so cal the cal era has pretty much been my era that's been the era that i've like most all my favorite players are from the cal era so um i just want to hear your your top five first and then i'll give mine so for me i guess my like the how
1: i've been watching kentucky would be the cal era too are we putting these five in order or are we just listing them?
0: And, you know, if it's too, if you can't really decide between who you like more then you can just list your, just list your five. I'll probably just list my five.
1: So my, one of my favorite players to watch so far since I've been watching Kentucky basketball, De'Aaron Fox. So I got Fox in there, Oscar, just him on the court. And then like just everything he does, like praising Jesus and Twitter and, helping out in the community. I have Oscar in there. Davis, because of how dominant he was. Um, The other two are kind of, I guess, up in the air. I really love watching Malik Monk. So this is personal, top five favorite, my personal, Mm -hmm. Monk. And then probably just how electric Wall was, and he rejuvenized the Kentucky basketball fan base. I got to put Wall in there.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean mine is relatively similar. Of course, Anthony Davis is in there. Just I mean, he's the only one to lead us to a championship in the last decade. Um, you know, he was so fun to watch. He caught every lob, he blocked every shot. Um, and he really was just the soul. I mean, you look at I mean, even just looking at him now versus who he was in college, you could tell he just enjoyed basketball more in college. Like he just he was yelling, he was talking trash. He was having fun out there. So, AD is definitely in the list, if not number one, just because of, you know, he brought us a championship and he's definitely the best, probably the best player in school history. Um, And then Tyler Eulis is up there. Uh, I just, he's probably my, favorite point guard to come through Kentucky. I just love the fact that no matter the fact he was undersized, he didn't care. He was he didn't make mistakes. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't take bad shots. He shot a high percentage from the field. He shot a high percentage from three. Every time he shot a three, I thought it was going in. He knew when to pass, when not to pass. I think he had the best assist to turnover ratio in the country. He won the Bob Cousy Award. Um, I just wish he had a better team that sophomore season because it was him and Jamal Murray and then everybody else was not very good. So um, I just – I do wish he had a better team around him so he could have done a little bit more. But Tyler is up there. De'Aaron Fox, you know, he's probably my it's, – it's hard to say, but he might be my favorite too. Like, and this is why you can't really rank them from favorite to least favorite or from number one to number five because they're just – I love all these guys equally. But I got a signed De'Aaron Fox jersey in the other room. Like, De'Aaron is – definitely was one of my favorite as well. And then Oscar, um, it speaks for itself, you know, national player of the year and easily the most likable Kentucky player that I, that I've seen. Like a lot of guys have been likable, but he's just, he's got a smile on his face all the time. He's kind. He's, he's a a good kid. He's um, he loves the community. He loves the fan base. I mean, he was the guy who was staying after games to sign autographs for like an hour after a game, signing autographs for fans. Like nobody else is doing that. So um, I think that's four. Is that four? I think Uh, Oscar Ad Oscar Ulyss Fox. Okay. And so, yeah, number five, excuse me, is hard. Um, At the time I loved Jamal Murray. Like he, at the time in 2016, I think Jamal Murray was like one of my favorites, but looking back on it, I do think I like monk a little bit more just because, I mean, that game against UNC where he dropped 47, the fact that he hit like every contested three, he was clutch. Like, he was just so much fun to watch. That backcourt of Fox and Monk was just one of the most exciting teams. That's pro- that twenty pro- team is probably my favorite Kentucky team. So I, I think Monk is going to slide into my top five as well.
1: Yeah, and then my sleeper, like my I guess right outside the top five, Yolis because five nine, but there's that picture that went viral of him going up against mm-hmm. that Auburn dude, Yolus, and then uh, Tyler Hero. It's just Every time I picture Hero Kentucky, I picture the. I think we're playing Arkansas. He said, "I'm a bucket after shooting mm-hmm. that free <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I love Tyler too, and I mean, it. When you really think about it, like I did a, I did a, um, like ranking all of the Kentucky players in the Cal era. Like I did a list from literally worst to best. I think I saw and, that. You did. Yeah. And I I did it. I did a video about it on TikTok and I posted it on Twitter and that got so many interactions because, you know, people are arguing about it like, oh, I can't believe you have Boogie this low or, oh, I can't believe Kevin Knox is this low. But it's so hard to rank these guys because we just have had so many amazing players. It's, It's actually really sobering to look at the list of players who have come through here. You'll get all the way down to number 40 in the Cal era and you're like, that guy was great for us but he's the 40th ranked player in the Cal era. So it's like we just had so many amazing players come through here. And, you know, we can talk about how it's just super disappointing that we don't have a uh, – we don't, we only have one championship. But um, on that note, I would say, you know, Duke has lost – like Coach K lost to Lehigh and Mercer in the first round, second round of the tournament with great teams full of NBA players. You know, he lost in the Elite Eight with the Zion Williamson-R.J. Barrett team that team was easily the best team in the country lost in the elite eight. So
1: they almost lost in the 16, didn't they? Do you UCF?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they come they drastically underperformed. And then they lost to Michigan state in the elite eight. So yeah. Michigan state had like one pro on that team and they, they it's kind of how our 2015 team lost to Wisconsin who had like Frank Kaminsky was the only long-term pro and he's not even a good pro. So, you yeah. know, college basketball, it's just so hard to win championships. I wish, I wish our fans would just chill out. I mean, over the over the course of a hundred years, hundred plus years, we have eight championships. But that's the second most championships in the country. Like uh, UCLA, yeah, and UCLA won like what was it eight, ten in a row? So I think it was ten in a row. So it's like we're still like it's hard to win championships. Eight championships in a hundred plus years, and we're still the most like one of if not the most storied um, college basketball program. So. You know, next year is going to be interesting. I'm excited to see how next year goes. I'm excited to see, you know, what we can do um, with with this roster. And I think Cal Cal is either super close to just giving up. Like, I don't know if he's just tired of this, or he's like going to come out with a vengeance next year, and we're going to just wreck everybody. So I'm excited to see how next year goes.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think Cal is getting to like the Jay Wright, Roy Williams, or coach K level, but I do have a sense that he's getting a little fatigued of college basketball.
0: Yeah. You can kind of just tell, I mean, especially like the nine and 16 year obviously took a lot out of them. And then of course the tragic passing of Terrence Clark that obviously took a lot out of him and and all of us. And then of course, you know, this season um, I, I have a, I have the book right here of this. It was like a yearbook, for this year and it says right here rethink retool revenge and this is a quote by cal that says enjoy your time now next year isn't going to come soon enough so he basically promised hey we're going to wreck everybody next year and we had a good season we had a really good regular season and we're looking great we're one of the favorites for the national championships national championship and then we suffer one of the worst losses in tournament history to a 15 seed nobody's i literally never heard of st peter's in my life neither had coach Cal. so um you know, that's back-to-back, super demoralizing seasons. And, you know, you've got the pressure from the fan base. You've got people calling for your job. You know, you're not winning these recruiting battles as much as you used to. You're not landing the number one recruit anymore. And then when you do land the number one recruit, he doesn't even play for you. And he, like, just uses you as a springboard to get to the NBA. So there's all this stuff going on. I, I do think it is definitely fatiguing him. Yeah, I'm just
1: going to – I don't – we're not going to fire Cal. That, no. That's in my – no. But I'm just going to – because after the nine sixteen year, you know, COVID played a role in that. I'm just going to give it a few more years to see where Cal takes this team because I feel like it's going to get better. But you just – the fan base is impatient after that 38-1 and year.
0: Yeah. And Jeez. it seems like ever since then we haven't really recovered. Our best shot was 2017. We lose on a heartbreaker – Buzzer beater by Luke May yeah. from you against UNC. And it's just like we've come so close so many times. And I think that's why this fan base is so frustrated and so fatigued because we've come close many, many times. And people will blame Coach Cal for choking and, and not making good adjustments and leaving Devin Booker on the bench against 2015. The 2015 loss to Wisconsin, you know. And then losing on a buzzer beater. I mean, that the Aaron Fox team was the best team in the country. There's no doubt about it. If we'd have beat UNC there, we would have won a national championship. Whoever
1: won that game was winning the title that year, 100%
0: without a doubt. And, and that, you know, we win that game and that would be another Final Four appearance. So it's like we've come so close so many times over the last few years. And then we have back to back, heartbreaking, just terrible. Like last year was just awful for obvious reasons. And then we just get let down again this year. So I understand the frustration from the fan base, but hopefully Cal can turn it around. Next year's roster is looking better from top to bottom than this year's roster. So I have faith and um, coach Cal's gotten, gotten us very far and he's, he's made good adjustments and he's adjusted with the rest of the game. So I do think that we just need to be a little patient. If he, if we lose in the first round or we don't make the tournament next year, then that's when I think we can start having the conversation that, you know what? He's, he's done, you know, but, I mean, right. his buyout's too big for us to fire him anyway. So he's either going to have to retire or go somewhere else for, for that to even happen. Yeah, I don't see him retiring anytime soon, though. Yeah. So uh, that's all the topics for today. Uh, I think this was a, a good success. I had a ton of fun, you know, discussing this. You know, this was the first episode of the Kentucky Connection pod. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, how you feeling about it? I'm feeling good about it.
1: I'm feeling good. I'm finally happy we got this to actually be a thing.
0: Yeah, man, like I said <laughs> at the beginning, you know, we've been discussing this f- forever and I you know, it's mostly my fault because I I kind of had the um, uh, you know, I I knew what I had to do. I just kept putting it off and I kept forgetting about it and um, you know, I've always wanted to have a podcast. I've always wanted to have a discussion and I'm I'm glad, you know, I wouldn't have done it by myself. So I'm glad I'm doing it with you because I, I wouldn't be doing this by myself. So I'm glad you agreed to, to do it. I think that, uh, you know, once we get this more figured out, it'll be a little smoother, a little more seamless, but I had a blast with it. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll put it out on all these different platforms and hopefully people like it. Uh, hopefully. I mean,
1: they should. I felt
0: good. <laughs> they should. They should. And like I said, uh, guys, it'll be on YouTube, the visual version, you know, with all this, all this visual stuff, it'll be on YouTube, but I'll also try to post on Spotify and, and, um, Apple music and, or Apple podcasts, whatever else I can post on, I'll find a way to get it on all platforms. So, um, but yeah, all right, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Um, I I don't know how often we're going to do this. It might be, weekly it might be bi-weekly it just depends on how fast news starts coming out because um, it's gonna you know obviously you know we have to have things to talk about so we'll just see how things go but uh you guys have a good rest of your day hope you enjoyed the pod and we'll see you in the next one go cats go cats